Hello and welcome to the Retro Asylum. It's the Ted Dabney Experience Team. Hello, Dean. Hello. 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 Now, guys, um, I've been listening to the show and I've put this out there a few times. I think you're the best retro gaming podcast come along in a long time. You say the sweetest things. I do, I do. But you're really doing something a, a little bit different, I think. You know, you, you're speaking to real legends they've made some absolute classics and you're nine episodes in is that right we are i think possibly 10 no or, or yeah you know what you're probably, probably producing right. the 10th we've one. got a few in the yeah. can i think that's the technical term yeah we're always two ahead so so that's what always throws yeah. me off I, I think we're um we're about 11 in the can nine published i think that's right something like this anyway Right, I'd better introduce you to our listeners anyway. So we've got Richard May. Hello. Richard, you collect arcade machines and you're also a listener of our show and uh, mm. that's how I've, I know you. Paul Drury. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. We've, we have met, you might not remember, but... Obviously. Oh, no, I remember every moment. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was on... We were on Grinder. <laughs> it might well have been. Yeah, for those who don't know, Paul Drury is uh, hes a writer for Retro Gamer magazine and he's done loads of talks at retro events and very professional and knows his stuff. Thank you. And Tony Temple, Missile Command expert, world record holder. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You've still hanging on to it. Yeah, you've got a book out and you do your arcade blog and all that. So these are three guys who really know their stuff. So who came up with the idea out of the three of yours? Was it a you know, joint effort or? I think Richie is the one that floated the idea. Well, Tony and I had discussed doing something together, as as you do <laughs> when you have you have a mutual interest. Thanks, Paul. Nearly. Um, and we were all at Free Play Florida last year, um, obviously pre-pandemic. And that was the first time I'd actually met Paul. Yeah. And got along with him instantly Aww. and i said to tony i said why don't we this needs to be a threesome we're, <laughs> we're nearly there drury how far, how far are we going with this uh, missus keeping this family friendly and it, you know we we and tony said yeah let's let's do it we, we went straight in with uh, warren davis who yeah. paul and tony already had a very good relationship with so he was a natural first choice yeah. but he's um the consummate raconteur mm. and uh he was great and made our life easy for episode one yeah and that was, he designed Cuba, it's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. 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 And I think, um, I think to your point, the I think we're very fortunate in that where we're looking to talk to these um, old hands of the industry, mm. they all tend to be um, obviously sort of slightly older in age and so have a certain amount of world experience. And, um, you know, I think, frankly, they do make our job easy. Um, yeah, they've got plenty to talk about. Yeah, I agree. In the sort of... Um, you know, I think in in the sort of uh, Michael Parkinson mold, you you I think if you've got your questions right, um, then your subject will just go with it. And I think we've been very fortunate in that. All all the people, I think, without exception, have not been difficult. No. So we we've yet to do. Uh, man, you know, we need to get this information out of this guy. Yeah. It's it's. Um, I guess where our expertise comes in is is knowing the subject to a certain point and so doing a bit of research and then coming up with some um you know insightful questions yeah, it probably refreshes hope- their mind as well when if you know your stuff I guess. Yeah. So some, we've been interviewing some people and we've said, so in 1974, you and they've gone, 
did I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Right? <laughs> so we can, yeah, we're serving not only to hopefully make an entertaining show, but we're serving as the memory for many of the people we interview who are in their 60s and 70s, yeah. some of them. And can I just say, I'm really pleased that we're, that we're recording their voices because without getting all morbid, is that, you know, they're not going to yeah, be around forever. They're not going to be around forever, yeah. And, um, mm. yeah. and because we're just focusing on that kind of 70s and 80s classic arcade uh, era, um, it means that, you know, the people that were making games then are getting on a bit. Mm. Yeah. Has it been uh, doing this during the pandemic? Has it made it easier? Are people, you know, are they at home? Does that make <laughs> they, were, they were at home, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They, well, you, yeah, I mean, it, well, um, yes, I mean, I'll answer that. I said, but I would have said that actually it's helped because it's been something, something to do, isn't it, Richie? Something to do. Yeah. Because um, can I just say that... It's made, it it's made my life easier because... Um, sorry, Paul, go on. No, it was just that Richie spends hours and hours and hours carefully editing the show. And it's huge. I mean, me and, you know, for me and Tony, it's like you do the, the show, the recording, we prep for that. And it's kind of our work's done and it, Richie spends hours. So Yeah, but I would say that it's a, it's a relatively equal distribution of labour because the knowledge is kind of weighted more on Paul and Tony's side. And certainly when we're coming up to do the show, we've got into a nice little rhythm where um, Paul and Tony primarily will do the show notes um and i'll kind of make the odd contribution but i i know that's safe in their hands so i can kind of my time is devoted more to um yeah you know getting granular as, yes. uh, as, which is a phrase paul likes and and i do i do edit really uh precisely and concisely and every time i mention that paul yeah, laughs but it's, it's that's funny. when we when we speak to guests we have to kind of uh, we mentioned that from the start and we'll say you know we're going to take out the coughs and the sniffs and the um and perhaps not the profanities on on, on our show but uh anything yeah it yeah. we want people to sound good we're we're not there to grill anybody because mm. this is these are not the kind of um interviews we're doing we, yeah. we we're promoting this history or yeah. or or, or concert, archiving it whatever you know yeah i guess you know you can't cut out certain bits i mean atari goat burgers was a phrase i heard on the latest episode <laughs> which i thought was great mm. kevin hayes yeah, sure. and you know stories such as like atari island so interesting you know we've mm. known about the cabs being made over there but to get an insight yeah in the way that, that came out that that's great stuff and you know i just think the show works so well yeah the that's uh i mean again that speaks to my point that's tony's um area of expertise certainly with atari island because he he, he had a wealth of information and yeah. and obviously had established contact with kevin well before we were interviewing mm. him you know and i think that's it and and um you know for me the most satisfying thing is actually learning about the human stories behind the games so you know it's very easy to just um sit in front of an ar- of a classic arcade and, and sort of think you know this this i I'm really enjoying this game of asteroids knowing it's atari but not actually thinking actually there was a guy who sat down and came up with the idea and programmed every bit of it from you know the vector graphics to the to the sounds and to get that insight from the from the guys who actually wrote those games is is um you know i think really really gratifying and and i think it also um to richie's point i think it's it is important to record some of this history be, before it disappears you know in Definitely. in yeah. in another 30 years time it's it's mm. going to be something long lost and forgotten about so i think our our goal really is to um produce a body of work that's you know um celebrates that really important era between you know the the sort of mid 70s and the mid 80s 
that um, set the rules for what is now a multi-billion dollar industry. What I think is good is that we don't just talk to the people that made the games. That is, some of our shows, of course, are focused on the people that that literally did the coding. But we also, you know, want to do a spotlight on the people that help make those cabinets. So we've had, you know, you mentioned Kevin Hayes from, um, you know, who was part of the production. You know, these these big coin-ups had to be made. They were physical things. And the same with Doug Wismer, Mm. who produced monitors. And I remember when Tony said, yeah, let's get this guy on the show. He produced, his company made the monitors for games. And me and Richard were like, are you sure this is going to be interesting? (laughs) And it was absolutely (laughs) fascinating because it's, you know, it's more than just the game. It's the whole process. And I hope in the future, the reason it's called the Ted Dabney experience is that we're trying to shed light on the lesser known people. As well as, of course, we'll have big names on. And we've already had some, Mm. you know, your Mike Hallies and things like that. But um, it'd be nice to, to give some time to people whose stories perhaps haven't been heard as much yeah and i will say and this is going to sound really rude but sometimes you speak to some of the programmers and they're not the most of interesting of people you know they, they clam up they, harsh. I know it's harsh but yeah i quite enjoy listening to stories from the other side of stuff you know as well so i think i think as tony as tony mentioned you know the people and it you know on one hand this is you know three more white guys doing a show about games that we used to play back in the day yeah and we speaking to like a bunch of old white guys <laughs> essentially um but you know as tony said you know these guys have got a few um a few miles on the road and i think by this point there's a certain kind of wisdom which i, I maybe they were boring and they were geeky back in the day but they certainly mm. like to talk about it now and we've never really encountered any yeah we don't get that much dead air but maybe that's down yeah. to our questions i don't know well you're editing yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a um there's a very famous um in the um in the days of the Apollo moon landings, um, Kennedy visited NASA and he was walking around and he bumped into a guy and he said, Oh hello, um, who are you? And he said, Oh yeah, my name's Dave. And what do you do? And he said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. And Dave actually was the janitor of the of the building. Um, but, the, you know, the sort of point being, it wasn't just the programmers who made the games. Yeah. There were people yeah. who built the cabinets. There was someone who, you know, designed the artwork. It, there, there was, you know, a, a whole bunch of people. Mm. Um, and, and, and really the Ted Dabney experience is about shining a light on, to Paul's point, to, to everybody, mm. not just the big name programmers, but also... The other guys, you know, the secretaries at Atari, um, you know, the guy who we interviewed who um, made monitors for Electra Home. Yeah. And they've all got really interesting stories to tell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So not only the leading lights, but the supporting cast. Nice. We should put that in some kind of tagline. <laughs> I do like a tagline. But and speaking very briefly, actually, I know you're on the on the clock, Dean. But, you know, with regards to Atari, we have interviewed, actually, even though we haven't done that many episodes, we've spoken to quite a few Atari people. And, you know, they'll all have different takes on. On, on essentially the same story um you know the old adage there's three sides to a story or there's three versions whatever it, and it's interesting i think we've encountered that with atari more than the others but as we go on i'm sure you know i particularly want to speak to jeff lee who we also know through warren and he'll have a different take of course on the early gottlieb days yeah. and you know we uh, gradually hopefully we can continue to do this over a couple of years and um as tony says build a body of work and i've kind of got designs on um doing a book at some point i don't know how that'll pan out it's just oh, a week <laughs> yeah no yeah you heard it here right. first it's just it's right. no no i've not i've not made any plans but it's uh it's it's percolating cool 
So is there anyone who you'd really like to interview and you haven't had a chance to yet? I don't suppose you want to give away. Yes, Donna Bailey of Centipede Ooh. fame, who Tony knows and has been speaking to, but is yet to um, yeah. agree to anything. Uh, because we'd like to interview some more women. And it's it's a fact that the industry was dominated by men yeah. back in the day. And I guess to some extent it still is. Um, but, you know, we're all about talking to the unsung and the, the unheard. So that's really where we want to go. And it's mm. we spoke to Jamie Fenton, who is known, obviously he was the developer and designer of Gorf, but he's also, not equally, but he's also known for being uh, something of a trans icon. And I think that was really interesting to get her take on being trans in the gaming industry and i think we'd like to push the boat out a little bit in that direction not yeah. for the sake of being woke or pc just because you know all shades and all colors and yeah. all types yeah. you know i'd say i'd really want to get on the show someone who admits to being in nolan bushnell's hot tub that is my <laughs> main goal because no one admits they all say it was there but no one admits going yes yeah. so maybe he was just in there by himself <laughs> what a horrible thought <laughs> so uh Paul, do you do all the arcade collecting as well? Um, no, I've I've got a main cab. Does that count? And it's very small. It's on my well, desk now. That's all I've um, got. No, no, so not. <laughs> I'm to be honest. Whilst you know, if we ever go to a retro show, the first thing I would gravitate to is well, possibly a gravitar, but a real um, uh, machine. But I'm I'm most interested in the people. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm glad our show is about the people and we talk to people. That I like the stories more than the cabinets you do have a very impressive collection of signed flyers though Paul. i do that is true yes thank you tony that's very nice very nice about uh you guys richard and tony is there any arcade machines that you know out of your reach at the moment and you'd love or no i got myself i got myself a star wars yep. that was my grail uh to use an over an overcoined phrase and uh, i'm happy that that's sat in my uh studio right now as we speak nice um my holy grail cabinet is um a prototype missile command and i uh, wrote about it in my book yeah. um missile commander available at all good bookstores shameless uh, and um uh, <laughs> sorry that was a bit cheap wasn't it um and uh, so one of one of the sort of key um stories within the book is the development and the creation of the prototype missile command cabinet which is substantially different to a missile command cabinet you might find out on an arcade floor yeah. and um i know where the last one is and i know who owns it and um, whether that happened or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, I'd say that. Um, I'm, I was also very drawn to a very rare cabinet called Azterac, um, which um, is extremely rare, but it's just a beautiful um, color vector game designed by a company called Century, who were based out of Florida. Yep. Um, but yes, that's that's my... And this, that's, that's... Sorry, Tony, I was going to say the story of Azterac is uh, quite poignant in and of itself and you can um you can read about that at tony's site arcade blogger it's quite yeah. quite a moving story to and be honest that's another thing i recommend is tony's blog uh do check that out very very good so guys any other plans for the new year that you can uh reveal to us well if they get if the world starts again um we'd really like to do some stuff live yeah i think that's what we're at, at shows maybe in america we go to florida free play um so it would be nice to do things live, don't you think, boys? Yeah, I do. I, I agree. And we've also just um, kind of partnered up. You know, we're in, we're now in association with ACAM, the American Classic Arcade Museum. So yeah, I noticed that. Um, yeah. I think we're going to be speaking with Gary um, about potentially, as Paul says, you know, extending that live thing to uh, I don't know something to do with ACAM. That will be my wish because that place is magical. Yeah. Mm. 
Right then, guys. Well, I wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Thanks Christmas, Dean. Thanks for coming on. And I wish you the best of luck for the future. And you know, all our listeners, please do check out the Ted Dabney Experience podcast. It is excellent. Can't recommend it highly enough. Dean, thank you for your kind words and having us on the show. All the best for 2021, mate. Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Dean. You're very, very welcome. Mm-hmm.